Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We love to speak to interesting company founders, and I just love the guest that's coming up. Um, She is in the fintech space, and what I really enjoy about her product and, and the business that she's about to tell you about is how it helps people. One of my concerns, and I've spent the last three years interviewing people who are company founders and how they bootstrap and build their business. And you know, money is key. So if people can't learn to manage their money, where's our next wave of entrepreneurs going to come from and, and business builders? And think about this statistic. In 2020, the data showed that Americans, and this is just Americans alone, had over $1.7 trillion in student loan debt, and it was continuing to increase. And so that's a problem on so many different levels, but it, it, it's absolutely a problem for where our future business builders are going to come from. And so again, I just get excited on so many levels. So without taking any more time. Let's get to it and welcome Maya to the show. Maya, welcome to the program. Thank you, Allison. I'm Maya Monell, co-founder of Navit. We are a financial app helping you reduce stress and navigate a way to good financial habits. Well, and what I love is on your website, you you talk about it's time to practice finance like you practice yoga. So what I love is you're taking some very complex topics and breaking them down pretty simply. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, admittedly, I'm a yoga nerd as well and, and really an all, all around performance nerd. So uh, the more kind of fun innuendos we can bring into the website and try and frankly make finances less scary and more applicable to everybody, because unfortunately, everybody has to deal with finances. Uh, I think the better off we all are. So give everybody a little bit more of insight into um, why I would want to use this app and how it's going to help me. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Great question. Uh, So we are, like I said, a financial app for everybody that's really focused on you, who you are, what your financial behaviors are, and how you want to take steps to improve different financial aspects of your life, right? Build different types of opportunities for you. There's a reason what we're called Navit, to navigate all of the ups and downs and the hurdles that we face in life mainly around finances. I mean, I think, you know, your, your finances really intersect at every life decision you probably have, whether or not you know it uh, or not. And so it's a really um, a comprehensive app and an opportunity for you to explore kind of all of these different intricacies where finances um, impact your behavior, your overall stress. As we all know, financial stress is a huge barrier to chronic physical ailment over time. Um, you know, how these different markers and these different inflection points in our lives can uh, be improved incrementally through, you know, frankly, simple behavioral approaches to your financial habits. So you and your co-founder are both uh, women in the fintech space. So tell us a little bit about your founder's journey. 
Yes, it's an interesting one. Aaron, Aaron Papworth and I met uh, early in 2019. I had just moved from the Bay Area to sunny Sun Valley, Idaho. I'm a big skier. My partner and I love it here. Um, and I was working remotely for a financial, or I'm sorry, a fitness technology, B2B fitness technology. I was running kind of growth and ops there. Um, loved my time, but realized that I was looking for something that was more along the lines of financial services. And so I started working with a uh, executive coach and soon kind of as, as if anybody, any of your listeners know, working with an executive coach, you're led down all these different kind of paths. Uh, and I soon realized that not only was I right and that FinTech could be like an interesting opportunity for me, but I was really looking for something disruptive that focused, frankly, on underrepresented groups within American banking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted something that actually leveraged, frankly, my know-how and data um, and, you know, kind of leveraging different behavioral aspects of data sets to actually improve the customer journey and improve the customer outcomes. And so my exact coach realized this and said, you know, Maya, I just finished working with a wonderful woman who has this brilliant idea. She's just launched a beta product uh, around improving your behavior with finances. She's a behavioral scientist and she's looking for a co-founder and somebody to lead growth um, and bring, you know, substantial tool to market that can really make a lasting impact on both, you know, kind of the workplace segment as well as direct to consumer. Um, And so I met Erin ironically here. She was, she came to Sun Valley, um, um, she, she had not to meet me to, to do other things, other fun things. Yeah, let's clarify summer. for our guests. You're based in, you personally are based in Idaho. Yes, I am. I am. I'm personally based in Idaho. I'm in Sun Valley here. Erin uh, was coming over from Seattle. So technically our offices are in Seattle. She met me. I think everybody who has a co-founder knows the story well, but you sit down for 30 minutes and six hours later and many coffees later, <laughs> you've formed a new product. So <laughs> that's kind of the, that's the entry point for us. And um, yeah, I mean, never looked back. I think finding a co-founder is a really important part of the entrepreneurial journey. And one of the questions I I have to ask, and because I have the um, privilege of speaking to you and and being a a female founder company, these kind of statistics, um, they drive me crazy. I'm going to give some of the statistics for female founders. And again, take them all with a grain of salt, listeners, because I didn't write my resources down, but we all hear them thrown out, right? That, you know, for an all-female founding team, the, you know, the VC funding is only about two to 3% compared to mixed teams and all, and all male teams. And that, you know, we hear statistics that male entrepreneurs are, are 20% more likely to get a loan if that's the route they go rather than, you know, looking for um, seed money or VC money. And, um, you know, how did, did you feel that you had any disadvantages as a, a female founder, all female founder team? Um, or tell us how you approached this kind of um, money piece. Well, I don't want to discourage your listeners who are uh, a co-female, co-female teams, but I do often joke to Erin and, and say that I, I wish I was a white male uh, that she had found to help her build her business because, you know, unfortunately it's true. Um, we have come across 
many barriers uh, in our funding journey. We just, you know, I say this and I will say with a positive note, we just oversubscribed our seed round. So yes and no, I think that it's, it's certainly more challenging to get in the door, especially to institutional funding when you are a female in a male dominated space mm-hmm. an oversaturated space and in a space that not, frankly, all VCs and all funders are very familiar with. You know, I mean, I have to, in my investor deck, I have a banking revenue slide. I have to go through that banking revenue slide with a fine tooth comb. And still people will say, and this is, you know, most of the way through the presentation, wait, I'm sorry, you're banking? How do you make money? You know, it's just, it's not... Unfortunately, I'm not I'm not in the retail space. I mean, I'm in consumer retail retail, but in a different way. And I'm not selling something that I'm also wearing at the presentation. And so from a female lens to be in fintech, I think it's it's a rough journey, but if you can hack it, it's really rewarding. And I think it's important for more of us underrepresented groups to be in these in these industries where we can make a greater impact because we speak for our end consumer. It doesn't matter if I was female, if I was black male, I mean, I'd have a different tone of voice to our target audience than traditional banking has uh, presented and put at the table. No, well put, well, well put. And I I think it's, you know, I don't care who you are. It's, it's about preparedness, right? It's, it's about, you know, that confidence and, um, and being prepared, but thank you for sharing a little bit about, you know, your thoughts on that. And, you know, great story that you were oversubscribed on your on your seed round um, because it just nothing comes easy to any of the founders I've spoken with. Um, it is all work. <laughs> yes, we we bootstrapped for maybe far too long, but you know, again, that's a, something Aaron and I always, you know, I think, thankfully say we're two white women that are pretty privileged in our lives and we don't shy away from that. It's, it would, we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't have that support system. And we feel really grateful to have it. You didn't bootstrap too long. You raised from a position of strength. Yes, that's that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Well, let's go back to, let's go back to the the actual product. Um, Because you, you are an app, but you're not just an app. And I want to make that really clear to the listeners. So the, the, if you go online um, and like I do with all my guests, the website is nav.it and you take a look at the website because this really isn't um, what Maya and Aaron are building. Isn't just about some nice little happy app that you put on your phone um, to help you do what you need to do. Uh, it has different layers and, and and a future to it. And you also have different partners um, that you work with because I can really see, like you said, um, it's not just about, um, I think on, on your site, you, you talk about wealth health. So mm-hmm. give us a little bit more insight into these different aspects of the app and these partnerships. Yeah, sure. So we really believe um, in kind of a more holistic approach to changing financial behaviors. And we believe that that happens on the you know day to day, right? It's you're not going to change your fitness behavior overnight. You're not going to change your nutritional uh, behaviors overnight. You're not going to change your financial behaviors overnight. So we take a few different lenses. One, we have a pretty comprehensive community page that we uh, that we're really excited about, and we're building out. We're actually launching new features around this in a couple of weeks. Uh, but it's 
really peer-to-peer learning. And one of the key inflection points to changing habits is actually learning from other people like you. So seeing how other people spend, spend, save, invest their money is actually a really important part of our learning process. And so we're actually building, we've built out this community page and app to help show, you know, at a de-identified level, how other people that are like you and that maybe are a little bit different from you are allocating capital, are, like I said, saving for important financial goals, um, are making these steps on their roadmap to, to further their financial success. The second point to this is, is actually really around that mindfulness, and we call it kind of a mindful approach to money, and, and we do believe in this daily check-in process, right? Like daily inflection points where even if you have 30 seconds to come into the app and check in, say how you're feeling about your money and what's impacting that emotion for the day. And the cool thing about that is kind of this third level of being able to reflect on your past experiences and make definitive choices to improve those experiences going forward. So we're big fans of data and we're really big fans of ethical technology that gives the consumer information, like meaningful information about themselves and services that back to them. So this is where I say, you know, we're very much like kind of the next gen of fitness technology where you're getting in-app support, in-app coaching, in-app tutorials around your specific needs that are unique to you and that are not restrictive. I think our users really always say it best when they want to be in control of their money. They don't want their money to control them. And I really like that description because this is essentially what we're saying. Again, our name is Navit. We want to give you the roadmap, but we also want to help get you back on the road when you choose to make a pit stop. Well, I think what's interesting about this for me is that you and your co-founder come from very different backgrounds, you know, and not that traditional banking background. And we talked about this outside of the interview that, that you have an athletic background. Mm -hmm. And so it's about, you have a performance mindset, which is very different, I think, than people that would approach the problem from a financial mindset. I definitely don't come from the trading floor. Uh, I grew up in Manhattan and quickly got myself out of there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, I appreciate that. I, I love performance. I love high human performance. I mean, working with athletes was one of the great joys of my life. Um, And I was doing it in a way that was tracking their data. So it was taking not just their on field or off field performance, like the quantitative data, but also the psychometric data, right? How they're feeling, how they slept last night, how these different points within their day that they're not even thinking about impact their performance. And that's what we really wanted to do. We wanted to take that same kind of qualitative psychographic information and apply it to your financial opportunities because it does matter. I mean, we're seeing this through and through in the statistics kind of across the board from McKinsey to Cognizant to, to all of those in between that say your 90% of the workforce in the US at least is financially stressed. And that is starting to impact our um, healthcare costs over time. So we have to start taking a preventative preventative approach to this problem and not be so reactive. Um, and, and so we really think that we're at the forefront of kind of this next wave of behavioral-based underrating and all these really exciting topics that come into the banking lens to say that, you know, people are far more worthy than just their FICO score alone. Amen to that. <laughs> so as a co-founder, you are, um, usually we talk to the CEOs, but you are the CMO. So I have to ask you about your marketing strategy um, and how you've gone to market about um, 
about getting the word out? Because I also think yeah. the app market can be quite crowded. So tell us a little bit about some of the strategies that you employed. You know, it's funny, I think 20 years ago and maybe even 10 years ago in banking, at least everybody talked about being top of wallet. And I think now it's being top of phone, you mm-hmm. know, being the first slide, the first app that you open up in the morning um, and being maybe the last app that you close at night is really the most critical to user longevity and retention over time. So we really take, I mean, you know, I could talk about our omni-channel content approach all day long, <laughs> but not to bore your audience. Uh, you know, I think we take a holistic and frankly, a realistic approach to our marketing. Obviously we're constricted by budgets, like what's early, earliest stage startup isn't. Um, but we've really, I think we're starting and maybe this is post COVID reality, but we've really started to uh, resonate across the board with so many different distribution partners and channels. So we've got a bunch of different partners up on our website. We have really great, strong strategic partnerships and relationships with InsureTech, other fintechs, traditional banking, legal, like any kind of supportive service tech you can think of, we come in to support their customer journey and vice versa. Um, you know, I think also because we kind of teeter in this space between digital health and traditional fintech, mm-hmm. we have been able to capture this kind of lifestyle brand where we really believe in our authenticity of our brand. And so as such, we are able to convert at a really cost-effective <laughs> price point users across the funnel. And that includes things like Instagram, right? Like we play really naturally in these spaces that maybe more traditional lifestyle brands also have been able to tackle and optimize on. So, you know, I, I mean, we convert and register a user at under $4, Wells Fargo down the street isn't doing that. Wells Fargo's down the street is converting them at $350, right? I mean, there's just such immense opportunity for you to, for us to start talking to the customer in these places where actually they, they're starting to look for financial information. I mean, we just launched a TikTok strategy a, because I've just become obsessed with TikTok in my <laughs> spare time, but B, because they're, they're now called Finfluencers. We have this treasure trove of amazing micro-influencers who are specifically targeting a younger population who need kind of daily money management financial advice. And we want to get, get on board. I mean, again, we think we can really attractively and authentically speak to our audience. Our customers love us and they remain loyal to us. And that's why we feel frankly compelled and excited to bring this kind of next wave of banking products to our solution. Now that is, that's fantastic. And I love, I do love the, the concept of going from top of wallet to top of phone, because for years that I've been in business, we always talk about how do you meet the customer at the point of their wallet? Like how do you meet the customer at the point of your wallet? And you're right. It, it, it's now, how do you meet the customer at the point of their phone? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the, the, the segue there for sure. Um, I really do want to talk about revenue generation because whenever you're in any kind of tech space, you know, you go through that beta phase and you, and you go through the decisions about, okay, now I need to be launched. Now I need to, you know, that sense of urgency, particularly if you're taking money, um, you know, seed money, uh, you know, there are a lot of eyes on you watching on these decisions, um, but you also did a full launch in the market um, in 2020, which was a tough year to be launching uh, products and you all had to make some decisions around that. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about um, what your experiences were with your launch? 
Absolutely. Um, if you want to test how resilient you are, launch a financial technology at the same on the same week when the world shuts down and a looming financial crisis is about to occur. Um, yeah, but that was interesting. But no, I, in all seriousness, you know, I think um, I kept saying this to our team during during those months, and I think it's really true still today. There's opportunity in crisis, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I, you can't feel bad about that. And so when we were going out to launch, we were planning on a subscription set of $6.99 or an annualized $80 a year. And we were really excited about our feature set. And we just had done such an amazing overhaul. We spent the last eight months in learning mode with beta, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the, the crisis happened. And Erin and I said, well, remember it. I was sitting outside uh, talking to her on the phone. And she, she said to me, she's like, you know, I know it, this doesn't feel right. And I said, you know, you're right. This doesn't feel right. We can't paywall a service that we know will help the millions of Americans that have just lost their job or are about to. So we decided to get rid of all the subscription. Um, and at, well, we, we basically launched the entirety of the product, including all of the 2B subscription set features um, free to all users. And we've had it free on the market for the last year, which meant that we delayed our revenue streams for a year, which was also an interesting thing because of course, then we had to go out and raise the seed round starting in August and, and uh, creating a compelling narrative to the investor around that was a challenge to say the least. But honestly, it was the right thing to do. And not only from kind of that feel good standpoint, we learned so much more with having such a volume targeted at all those financial features that we had in app that we wouldn't have gotten if we had paywalled in the first year. I mean, mm-hmm. we had so much ripe user information uh, and you know, testimonials troubleshooting effects. I mean, every kind of interaction we could get with the user in real time, in some point of the app, we really tried. And, and, and I think we did a great job in supporting both those users, but also learning from them in the process. So that now in three weeks, we're going to actually launch our subscription, but with a whole new suite of features that we know are going to excite the user and are going to meet them during you know their continued kind of roadmap to financial success. And that they want, right? Like we really got a clear understanding of in crisis, what do they need? And then what will keep them, frankly, running on the, on the app? What will keep them around? That is such a, a great story. And, and talk about like, like risk and, and patience to, <laughs> to see that. And I, 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 you know, when anybody that is decides to throw their hat in the entrepreneur ring and the startup the startup ring, you know, the amount of perseverance and patience and tenacity that you have to have. And, and I would say that you and Aaron just did it in spades this last year. Um, it's amazing. That. Thank you. Uh, it was, it, we lost a lot of hours of sleep and gained a lot of gray hair, but it was worth it. <laughs> so now let's, let's take a look forward. Um, I like to talk to my guests about so you're, you know, we're having this delightful opportunity to speak to you right at this, this pivot point um, where you're, you're changing your strategy. You're going to market now with your paid service. Are you going to stick at the $6.99 a month subscription and the $88 a year app? Or did you also learn and change your strategies around that? 
You know, actually, I, I, strangely enough, that actually stayed true. Um, that still seems to be our, our kind of strike price and our, our perfect point um, of, of payment. And I think that, you know, there's definitely room to grow there. This pay as you want model is certainly something that we're focusing on and starting to figure out how to leverage. It gives the fractional CFO a headache every time I bring it up. But I do think that there's kind of this a la carte process to the app that could be rolled out in time. Um, right now, we're just going full steam on all of these different products and we want to get them right and launched and then, you know, in a really compelling way. So we're going to stick with that pricing model. We also have some really, you know, again, and speaking to the chaos of this year and opportunity and crisis, the financial services world and industry is starting to wake up. They're starting to realize the financial well-being of the consumer has to be a top priority. Yeah. And that's actually given us an immense amount of other distribution opportunities that we might not have had pre-pandemic. Um, so how can we work with banks to incorporate our psychometric scoring and some of our other components to the app and bring them to bring that to their own customers and kind of at use that as a use that as an additive service. We're also starting to work with healthcare providers and employers to bring Navit to the job market as a workplace perk because we see that you know it's an obvious way for these employers to support the financial well-being of their workforce when they read these statistics that 90% of the workforce is financially stressed and that's causing them to pay more for their workforce and healthcare costs they're starting to realize that they need these kinds of prevention uh, preventative measurements and tools in place to support the workers where they are right now. And so it's really opened up. Um, the financial model, I'll just say, has grown tenfold because <laughs> of all of these other revenue kind of opportunities. And we're launching some of those first employer pilots in the next two months. So we're really excited. And so I usually close with saying, if we come back and talk to you in the three and the five years, is there anything else that you would tell us that um, would be a, a personal of nature or business of nature that you'd want us to think the story will be? I mean, five years is, is a narrow, narrow window, but certainly five to 10. I really hope that Navit can deliver on our promise of becoming the next behavior-based underwriting tool that becomes another additive to your FICO score, to all of these other barometers of uh, risk evaluation and underwriting. And, and I think that, frankly, that's how we close gender and racial wealth gaps. I think that's how we really make a, a meaningful difference for the consumer across the U.S. and certainly globally. Thank you so much for giving us the gift of your time. If our listeners want to learn more about the app and connect with you, what are some ways that they can do it? Other than TikTok. <laughs> you yes, can even push TikTok if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love it. Um, no, Allison, thank you so much. It's been such a delight. Absolutely. You can reach us if you want to learn more just from the website. We're navitmoney.com, N-A-V-I-T-M-O-N-E-Y.com. Um, and please do. You can find us uh, anywhere you download an app. Uh, just by typing in Navit, N-A-V.IT, and on all the social channels, including TikTok, we're at Let's Navit, L-E-T-S-N-A-V-I-T. Well, thank you so much for your time again. And to our listeners, um, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it, pass it along. Um, 
you know, let others know the good things that Navit are doing. If there is a disruptive and innovative CEO that you think I should speak with, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Maya, again, thank you for being such a lovely guest. Thank you so much for having me. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.